Cuphead than all hope, listeners. You're listening to Radio Grognard, the OSR podcast about stuff, with your host, Glenn Hallstrom. Hiya, folks. Old Man Grognard here. Hope you're all doing well. Things are going rather swimmingly here, I guess. I don't see why not. Doing, still doing some research on some modules and things like that. I hope the COVID is treating you fairly, at least. And other things like that. Okay. Now, today, I'm going to dive back into Astonishing Swordsmen and Sorcerers of Hyperbore again and cover the Gazetteer, basically all about what Hyperbore is and things like that. We're just going to go through the chapter, and I'm just going to I'll I'll point out things that that catch my eye or something like that. And we'll talk about that after this. All right. Let's see. This would be the volume 6 Hyperborea Gazetteer, which is the sixth chap last chapter in the book, and that is page 493 in the rule book. I don't have the handbook, so I don't know where it is. Well, it isn't in the handbook. <laughs> This is for basically game masters. And so we have big old table of contents. The first thing it does is in, do an introduction to this chapter about what Hyperborea is. Now, Hyperborea is basically a disc world, and it, it exists if you're going to put it in some cele- near some celestial bodies. It is on the other side of Saturn. And... This is the kind of place, I don't even know why it exists. Nobody knows why it exists. They think it was part of old Earth at one time, part of the Antarctic. But it has since broke off or teleported off or whatever, and it tends to attract... So it, it is. It is. It has attracted different people from different time periods, but not too late a time period. I don't see any modern people. But it would explain, like, the other races who show... It could have been the other races who broke it off, why there is like science fictiony artifacts on here too, and I understand on occasion people will get get teleported or whatever to Hyperborea. One reason, one way or another, they give you anyways. Like the PCs, if they start somewhere else, could end up in Hyperborea. But according to the the history, this hasn't happened for a couple millennia, where like whole whole civilizations or parts of civilizations that have been brought to Hyperborea. I mean, you have what they call Lemurian remnant in there from Lemuria. You have an Atlantean remnant in there, which I think is dead. I think it's sunk too. I don't know. But that's why you find a lot of artifacts that are science fictioning around there. That plus the, like the elder, the elder beings like the great race and elder things and things like that tend to, to have their own little, have their own science fiction-y weird stuff. What else? It talks about Hyperborean relation to old Earth and celestial bodies, which I just went over. Uh, their sun is a giant red sun. It doesn't shed much warmth, so I'm not saying the place is frigid, but it's it's kind of, eh, maybe a little on the cold side, I would say. And... Yeah, is yeah. Saturn is right there in the sky, so you can't miss it. 
with the big bloated sun and at night Saturn. And things like the, it's, it's got a calendar here, but seasons last a long time, like years. For years, you'll just have sun. For years, you'll just have no sun and anything in between. And it's got a rather comprehensive calendar here. And, you know, you have days of the week. You have seven days of the week. Sun, Sunday, Sun, day. Earth Day, Sea Day, Moon Day, Star Day, Sky Day, and Saturn Day. Saturn Day. I'm just saying it the way. Plus, he's got moon phases here. This may. This is to me. This is all kind of like cosmetic stuff. Mostly, if you want to work it into plot points, that's probably why it's here. Because they also list like festivals and things like that and years in the cycle. If that has anything to do with the plot, I can understand why it's here. And hours of daylight, the indicate it says how many hours. They've got a whole chart on daylight calendar here. And it's pretty This is one of the more comprehensive gazetteers I've seen, uh, source books for, for a world. I mean, it's got how many hours of daylight you get or night you get during the year, the year. They also have a brief history of Hyperborea. What's, from what I understand, the first race were, well, I think it's the what got it going was the Serpent Men. And you'd have to go over, I, I didn't go over this too too quickly. I know about Chromarium and I know about the Green Death. The Green Death was like, it was the thing that was the game changer for everything. The Green Death killed off a lot of people, kind of like the Black Plague here. And then, then you know, the survivors after it passed picked up. And I think, I believe it was a uh, meteor that brought the Green Death. And it killed off the major amount of people in, in Hyperborea. And the survivors just went on and built on top of that. That's why you can find a lot of... That's why characters find a lot of artifacts from pre what they call pre-Green Death. There's a nice chronology here. Climate and seasons, flora and fauna. I tend to... For some reason, my characters tend to... I don't know. They tend to... to they tend to end up around the desert. I don't know why. And they have a whole chapter here with the flora and fauna about lotus species because there's there's black lotus, golden lotus, russet lotus, smoky lotus, violet lotus, white speckled blue lotus, and they all do different things. And it seems like every one of them is used, either chewed or something, whatever their effects are, or used as used in like making of potions and things like that and and magical potions and things uh they talk about the men of hyperborea there's a little bit of blurb about the men you see to me i think they missed i, th- they, I think jeff missed a missed a trick here because they do have the men of hyperborea but they describe these near the beginning in the beginning in the other the the first book and so the players can do it but you you read it and go, okay, well, that's nice. That's nice fluff. I'll say my character's from this place. Fine, we'll just do that. But I thought, you know, you should have, he should have 
used it for mainly. I guess that's what the class the class abilities are for. But they, he could give each one of them like an ability that that race is either can do or is an affinity towards something. Aside from just describing them and what they're like. Now, that's just my opinion. But what's what's interesting is, in my group anyway, they actually take these races in and they run with it. They will use that as describing their... I mean, what I'm saying is, he should have done that, but he didn't have to in my case. Or maybe in, in case in general. I don't know. Because it just... The, the players latch onto it. They love it. Because maybe it's because there's no elves or dwarves or halflings or anything like that in the game. And, but I was surprised they haven't complained about, oh, there's no special abilities of being a hyperborean or an Ixian or anything like that. But, hey, they love it anyway. So I'm not going to argue with that. Ancient and contemporary language, writing systems, civilized and barbaric populations... They break it down geographically. Here's where, here's where the rubber meets the road. The geographic divisions and such like this. You know, Diamond Desert, Dagon Bay, Death Valley, the Aries, Cape Silencia. Uh, there's Paradoxon, which is interesting because that's the city in the clouds, the floating island of Paradoxon. That is ruled by the Amazons. Which is funny because there is a city of Amazons on Hyperbore itself, but then you've got this floating city, and they don't like each other because I believe one of them broke off from the other. I don't remember which one was which, but you know, one's always saying, we're the true Amazons. No, we're the true Amazons. And like the queen who, uh, who rules the floating city is, has nothing but disdain for the Amazons of of Hyperborea, and they don't like her very much either. The ones on Hyperborea don't like her very much either, so there's that. And it's just... It's just really interesting. They've got, like... Here's here's another one. The Gibbering Fields. There's a lot of lotus in that gibbering, those Gibbering Fields. <laughs> Lug Wayson. I This place gives... This, this book gives you so many places to go for a... What they call a... Limited sandbox. Is it a limited sandbox or something? Else? What do they call it? Um, it is known as a micro setting, i.e. is of limited geography. Well, for a micro setting, it sure has a lot of stuff in it, a lot of places to go. It reminds me of, it reminds me a lot of Mistara. Where they, because, and and to me that, that made more sense than Mistara because these people were appropriate, these civilizations were appropriated from Earth somehow, some way. I mean, they've got a tiny island uh, they call Mu Minor, which was from Mu. New Amazonia, I think that's the one, that's the one on, uh, on in Hyperborea, as opposed to the, the floating city. Uh, just man, it, it gives you a lot, and the red desert, things like that. What else do we have in here? It just it's it's a big it's a big area, and it just makes it easier to come up with stuff because there's hooks there's hooks all over the place in this thing, all over the other ge and plus they got other geographical features, the Hyperborean Sea, rivers and lakes, things like that. And, of course, beautiful black and white illustrations. 
Spiral Mountain Array. Now, Spiral Mountain, my my uh, group that I, I ran, they managed to get a strong... They had a... That's where they built the keep is like south of the Spiral Mountains, near right around that area. Plus, they have these obelisks, which are like marvels and wonders of Hyperborea. Uh, and believe it or not, there is Relay there too. As in Cthulhu's Relay. I think it's relay to me is one of those things that it exists in multiple places, multiple dimensions. So yeah, I can understand that. And under Borea, mythic realm of legendary vast subterranean kingdom where dwell gods, demons, monsters, and netherworldly beings. And so you've got a whole under underground place you can run around in. And they talk about Atlantis, Atlantean, ancient Atlantean astronaut here with a ship uh, exploring the place, seeing a picture. Religions of Hyperborea. Again, this is just, it's a, it's elaboration on what was in the earlier books, one of the, the earlier part of the book. And it, gives, it goes a little more detail of the gods. Typical clergy, typical followers. And that ends that chapter. And so this book it's just unbelievable. It just gives you so... I mean, you don't have to use... I'm saying to use the system, you don't have to be in Hyperborea. But to be in Hyperborea is a good thing. To me, it just it it just scratches an itch in, in me that I, I don't know. I mean, D&D gets it kind of, but this one really goes the extra mile. And it's just a very, very fun, detailed world in the pulp fantasy tradition so that's pretty much that's kind of an overview of what the world is like gazetteer wise so all right i'm gonna go start my day and if you want to talk to me about this or anything else oldmangrognargmail.com or you can drop a voicemail on anchor we're monetized so as little as 99 cents a month you too can help support this program and i would thank you Thanks again, Jonathan, Oliver, Gilbert, Juan Carlos, Daniel, Dan, Benjamin, Jason, and John Allen. Thanks, guys. Don't forget Dan Gregg's Young Y-U-N-G Grognard podcast, Young Grognard. Mark C. Wallring's The Rounding Albert podcast, Big John Allen Larges the Red Dice Diaries, and my friend Eric Tinkar's Tavern Chat. So, until I see you folks next time, keep the dice warm, and I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Questions? Comments? Send them to oldmangrognard at gmail.com. We'll see you next time when Radio Grognard is on the air. Mm-hmm.